Hello and welcome to the Oasis Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Part of uh, what I get the privilege of doing is just get occasionally to, to step outside of Oasis and connect with others that are part of uh, churches both in the city and outside the city. One of the family or the family of churches we're part of uh, is called Catalyst, and get a privilege of just kind of running alongside different people and hearing what God's doing in them, and therefore what God might want to do in us. And one of the people that has really impacted me over the, like the last couple of years has been Charlene, who I've invited to speak. She wouldn't know all of this, but I think um, just in hearing often just her passion for Jesus her heart to hear God, her expectancy that God's going to come and meet with us, and her fervency in prayer has just challenged me in who I am. And Lucy and I happened to be in a seminar that she was running last November where she was talking about prayer. And at the end of it, there was two things. One is I felt like I want to put some of this stuff in practice. The second was, how can I get Charlene to come to Oasis? And all of the things kind of lined up because I thought, man, we're in 25 days of prayer. I know that we're going to be giving ourselves to just hearing and being encouraged in prayer. I wonder. And so I sent a message and said, hey, would you be up for coming this Sunday that we're on now to share? And she was immediately like, yep, totally, no questions, which I was like, wow, I would have questioned it. Um, But it's here. And therefore, I just want us to open our hearts to her. And I think a great way of doing that is just to welcome her. And I think in our kind of culture, it's hard to know, how do we welcome? Do we all come up and shake hands or give her a hug? No, I think let's put our hands together. Welcome her and say we're open to receiving everything you're going to share. Thanks, guys. Thanks for that lovely welcome. Um, so good to be here today. As Adrian said, my name's Charlene, and I'm here with my husband, Dan. We have two little kids, which we've gifted to the grandparents for the day. It's actually my mother-in-law's birthday weekend, so we said Merry, no, we didn't say Merry Christmas, we said Happy Birthday. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're here today, and we're just so happy to be with you. What a privilege. What a privilege to join you in your 25 days of prayer. I mean, prayer is just a beautiful time of, of seeking God together, of waiting patiently for Him. Those, those times of su- um, sustained times of prayer is where we press into the wonder and the privilege of who God is, of talking to him, of communicating with him. And so we've just finished our 21 days of prayer and fasting last Sunday night. Um, We had a big celebration, and then we all ate good food. So we've come out of it, and it's been remarkable. The stories we've heard have been remarkable. People just say they feel closer to Jesus. Jesus has spoken, provoked people, challenged people. We've come out with a, a heart that is more hungry for him, that is more purified. And so my prayer for you guys is that you'd encounter Jesus in a beautiful way in these 25 days. And prayer is the greatest conversation you'll have every single day. It's the greatest conversation you'll have because you're speaking to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I just wanted to kind of premise this talk, which is prayer, but I'm going to specifically be focusing on waiting for God, waiting on God, which often comes after the prayer. Um, But prayer is communication with God. So we do this by praising him, we confess our sin before him, we thank him, we ask him, we bring our requests before him. And then secondly, prayer is communion with our creator, communion with our creator where we engage in a loving relationship with him through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Beautiful. And I'm sure you guys 
know all the basics of prayer today, so I'm going to whiz through some stuff, but I'm really going to focus and share my heart with you on what God has spoken to me about waiting on him. So I'm sure you know in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17, prayer is central to the Christian life. Christians are commanded to pray continuously, and that's what you're doing in 25 days. You're continuously praying, but I pray that, that you'll do that for your life, that you would continuously speak to the Father, because prayer is listening, worshiping, submitting our wills into God's will. That challenged me. Prayer submitting our will into God's will. And I love this quote by J.R. Packer. You might know him. It's on the screen. It says, Knowing God in heaven is our Father should increase our wonder, our joy, our sense of privilege at being His children and being given the hotline of prayer for communication with Him. For though He is the Lord of the worlds, we always have His full attention whenever we call on Him. How beautiful is that? Let's pray. Father, we just, we just thank you that you invite us in to communion with you. You invite us into a loving relationship. Jesus, I, I thank you that you are here this morning. I just thank you that you, your, your presence is among us. I thank you that you're calling us closer to your heart, Father God. I thank you that you're drawing us near by your spirit. And this morning, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would rest on us. Father, if there's anybody who doesn't know you this morning, Lord, I pray that they would encounter your love this morning. That those that need freedom this morning would receive freedom. That those that need joy this morning would receive joy. Because you are a good Father who longs to give good gifts to us. And so we just invite you, Lord, whatever words are good, I pray that they would take root. And whatever is rubbish, I pray it would fall by the wayside. Jesus, I pray that our hearts would be open to you this morning. Amen. Amen. There's a, a funny story I heard about prayer, and a few leaders have shared this, so maybe you've heard it before, maybe not. Um, but there, it's an, it happened in America, okay, so just to premise that. Uh, there was a church, and across the road, there was a new bar or club, I guess, in America uh, that had just come up. And so the Christians in the church decided to call it an all-night prayer meeting. So they called an all-night prayer meeting, praying that this thing would not open. And then there was a storm, and lightning struck the building, and the thing burnt down. So the people obviously weren't very happy that I just bought this um, building for a bar. So they decided to sue the church and sue the Christians. And so the, court, the case went to court, and the church had to get an attorney. And before the case even started, the judge said, no matter how this case comes out, one thing is clear, that the bar owners believe in prayer and the Christians don't. <laughs> because... The thing is, they believed that God would do something, and when he did something, they were like, no, it wasn't us. And so the provocation to us this morning is that we can believe in prayer, but do we believe in prayer? Do we believe that when something happens straight away, was that God or was it just coincidence? Or when it takes a long time to happen, is God ever going to answer my prayer? Does he hear my prayer? So let's look in Luke 11, verse 9 to 10. It says, so I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. This is one of my favorite verses on prayer. It talks about us having the privilege of asking God. Not demanding, but asking God. And when we learn to ask God, we realize that he's a good father, he doesn't withhold things because he's trying to be mean or spiteful to us. He's a good father who we get to come and ask, just like you'd ask your own dad or your own mom for help. It talks about seeking, pursuing. And when we seek and pursue God, he reveals things to us. 
So prayer is often about us having revelation because God reveals things of his heart to us. He reveals things about us to us. And then it talks about knocking. We get to knock on a closed door and God makes a way for us. The promise of prayer is not that you get a blank check. It's not that you get to go, well, this is what I want, God, so can you just deliver? That's not what prayer is. He's not even obligated to answer our prayers, but he chooses because of relationship with us. And sometimes we don't like the answer. Sometimes it's a no, sometimes it's a yes, and sometimes it's a wait. And there's no formula to how you pray, how do you manipulate God to give you what you want. We simply come to a good father who knows all things, who sees all things, who understands all things. And the thing is, is that his timing is so different from our timing. We live in a fast-paced world where everything's instant. But God's timing and his ways are far above ours. And so as we wait, there are three things I want us to ask ourselves this morning. How do we not get impatient or offended in the waiting? Mm. Patience is a tough one. Anybody identify with that? I've got two hands up, actually. (laughs) How do we keep having faith in the waiting? And how should we wait on God? You see, waiting can be good, but it can also be hard. And it definitely isn't a a once-in-a-lifetime occurrence. In fact, waiting is something we continuously do. But we think it's a negative thing. Because we're waiting, we're waiting for the big things. Some of you are waiting for your husband or your wife. Some of you are waiting for the promotion that you've been longing for. Some of you are waiting for the opportunity to lead. Some of you are waiting to own a house. We're all waiting for things. Some of us are just waiting for the holidays. I mean, to be honest, most of the Brits are waiting for their summer holidays. You see, we don't like to wait, except when it fits our timeline. Because waiting is not the issue. It's when it's not within an acceptable timeline to us. See, when a woman gets pregnant and has a baby, three months into the pregnancy, she doesn't go, I wish the baby would come today, because she knows that that baby needs to grow and it needs nine months to come. In the same way, a 16 or 17-year-old doesn't stay in his parents' house and go, I wish I owned my own house now. I think they quite like the free rent. (laughs) Some of us, you know, we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting for the things that our heart longs for, But we've put a timeline, we've put an expectation on something, but waiting in the big picture of God being in control is actually according to his timing. He knows more than we could know, and he understands more than we could understand. So when waiting crosses the threshold of what is acceptable to us, stuff starts happening in our heart. And I think that's what God wants to talk to us about today. Because we start to feel like a failure. Maybe if you've been longing for something and it hasn't happened. You've been waiting too long. You start looking inward and judging yourself. Start feeling like a failure. You start comparing yourself. Or you live according to these invisible standards that the world has put on us. Or that the world has set. Not God, but society has set. God does not forsake us. He does not leave us. He is with us in the waiting And the truth is that you're uniquely designed in God for an appointed time, that you were born for a time such as this, and everything in your life he has ordained and appointed for a time to happen. And we cannot rush God. He is not in a hurry. He is not in a hurry. He's not sitting in traffic jams trying to get from place to place. He's just not in a hurry. He's sovereign and above it all. 
All of us spend time waiting. That's the reality of life. It's what we do in the waiting. It's who we become in the waiting that God is interested in. And one of the ways we can wait well is through prayer and worship. One of my favorite things to talk about is prayer and worship. But God wants to do something in us that helps us accomplish and receive a Godward perspective in the waiting as we pray and worship. In Romans 5, verse 4 to 5, many of you will know this. Paul speaking, he's talking about endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through this Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And God wants us to know that waiting for him is far from a passive activity. A lady, I think, brought a word about being passively still early, and I don't want to talk to us today about actively waiting, not just waiting. I used to think of waiting as just sitting still, twiddling my thumbs and being super bored. You know, like when you're in the GP's, like, waiting area. It's not that kind of waiting. God wants to do something. It's something such as strategic waiting, which cultivates good fruit in us, where he produces endurance, which produces good character, which leads us to hope, and all this is fueled by Godward worship. And a great place to see an example of this is David. David is an incredible worshiper, and he wrote a lot of the Psalms. If we look at Psalm 27, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in the temple. Verse 5, for in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon the rock. David, an incredible man of God, a man after God's own heart, He had everything to be afraid of. There were people plotting his death. There were battles waiting to happen. He stood and lived in the face of his life ending very soon. But yet he boldly proclaims, whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because the thing is, in in the process of waiting, fear longs to enslave us. Fear longs to replace our faith. Because when we wait, there's uncertainty that creeps in, there's disappointment that creeps in, and there's fear, fear of something not happening, fear of missing out, fear that Jesus has forgotten us, fear that we're not good enough. And so the enemy's tactic towards us is fear. But you see, David sets his eyes more than the circumstances around him. In fact, his eyes are open so much that in Psalm 27 verse 4, it talks about God, let me dwell in, the, in your house all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty and inquire of you in your temple. See, times of worship are so eye-opening that we can find joy in the midst of the battle. We can find joy in the midst of waiting. And he says, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies. I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. The end result of worship is courage, confidence, hope, freedom from fear. Those are all the things that God can do in the waiting. The waiting is not a place of pause. It's a place of meeting the Father. It's a place of finding joy, finding hope, getting freedom. 
what we really need to remember in the place of waiting is who God is, what he's done, what has he done before. Celebrate, remember the things he's done. Remember how he's provided. Remember the, the, the circumstances that changed. Remember the healings that you've heard. Remember the stories of God's goodness. And remember what he's promised to do. Hold on to the promises that God has for your life. During waiting, as we worship, God opens our eyes so we can see him. And don't look for false saviors in those moments. So often we try and find our own solutions. Excel spreadsheets. Speak to everybody who will listen to you. Google, Google, Google. We're always looking for our own solutions. But there is a creator, there is a God, there is a king who has divine solutions for us. Don't look to the left and to the right. We will not stagnate in our waiting, but grow. For believers, it's a time for activity, alertness, and hopeful joy. Active waiting is where we cooperate with God. And he's constantly doing things amongst us. He's doing stuff amongst us today. He's changing hearts. He's healing hearts. He's bringing freedom. God, God's not taking time out. He's here with us doing and working amongst us. Let's prepare for the new manifestations of God. Let's be expectant. Waiting is a sign of surrender and giving up control. Ish. Controlling people often struggle with patience. Surrender and giving up control because he's God. He is God. He's sovereign. It's a recognition that I can't do things in my own strength. We need God. Waiting is essential to spiritual life because it teaches us so much. We always think we only learn the lesson at the end. It's actually in the waiting that God teaches us and matures us. Waiting as a disciple of Jesus is not an empty waiting. It's not an empty, echoey space. It is where God ministers and speaks to our hearts. There's a quote from Henry Nowen, which says, Waiting for God is an act of alert, yes, joyful waiting. As we wait, we remember him for, we remember him for whom we are waiting. And as we remember him, we create a community ready to welcome him when he comes. Remember the stories. If you don't have your own stories, remember somebody else's stories. Remember what he has done. I remember, that's funny, I didn't realize I was going to say that. I remember in times of waiting for things, I would literally go digging and hunting for stories because I needed my heart filled with hope. Because the enemy comes with his lies and his fear. And I knew I had to meditate on what God had done and who he was. Find the stories because God has been faithful and he'll be faithful again. Share the testimonies. I remember, um, so about eight years ago, I got ill. I was perfectly healthy until I hit my 30s. And then I had um, this neurological, it's a thing, I won't explain it to you. <laughs> but basically, eight years ago, I, um, I got ill out of nowhere. And I remember thinking, I know God heals. Okay, God, this Sunday, that's it. If you could just heal me, and it didn't happen, and actually times got tough, and I really struggled physically um, being a mom of two small kids, and I remember crying out to God to heal me, and heal me, and heal me, and then I didn't get healed, so you know where your mind goes, is God a healer? 
then I had to go, no, God is healing because I've known, I've seen, and I've tasted that he does heal. And so I was determined in that place of waiting for my healing to pray for any sick person I could find. So I would lead any meeting. I mean, it could have been a finance meeting. Is there anybody who needs healing? I'd lead any meeting and I'd always go, God, is there anybody here that I can pray for that's sick? Because I want to celebrate their breakthrough becomes my breakthrough. And so I'm still not completely healed, but I know Jesus is, is on it. Don't you worry. Um, and last year, I just felt in my heart that we should start a healing room in our church. And so last September, we launched our healing rooms, gathered a team. And on the very first um, Sunday that we had the healing rooms after the meeting, there was this woman who'd been waiting for a healing. I think it was over six years. Um, it might have been more. And she'd come from Canada, and she was only visiting our church for that Sunday. And she came into the healing room, sat down, and got instantly healed of chronic back pain. I can't remember all the medical terms, but she had constant pain in her back, in her limbs, in her knees. And the Holy Spirit just came, rested on her, and she was instantly healed. Well, two things could have happened in that moment. I'd be like, God, I put this healing room together. (laughs) Or I could have celebrated and been so full of faith and joy because this woman had encountered a God. And I just wept, and I was like, Jesus, you are healer. You are good. And we've seen somebody healed every time. We do it once a month. People coming to healing, and just amazing stories of God healing people. And I know my faith is being strengthened, and I know I have an appointed time for a full healing in the name of Jesus. But your breakthrough is often comes because you're contending for somebody else's breakthrough. That's the kingdom of God. And so, for those of us who are waiting, if we look at the Gospels and we model our life as those that lived. In the scriptures that we've read, we would not be passive or anxiety-ridden. We would not be full of fear and worry. We would choose to cooperate with God because he is constantly doing things amongst us. And sometimes the time of waiting feels so long. But let me give you a little tip. When you're doing nothing, it feels longer. When you're pursuing God, when you're chasing after everything he has for you, that waiting becomes part of your testimony. So let's look at ways we can personally wait on God. These should come up on your screen. First of all, acknowledging God's sovereign control of all things. He is sovereign and control over everything, over every circumstance, over everything that we want to control. He's sovereign over it all. He's sovereign over your children's lives. He's sovereign over your work situation. He's sovereign If you need a job, he's sovereign. If you've got a job, he's sovereign. If you want a partner, he's sovereign over all those things. He has all authority. He has all authority and power. He's not in a hurry. He does not do things quickly. He does them right. I'm going to give you three references for that. Acts 1 verse 7, he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates that the Father has set by his own authority. It's not for us to know. How humbling is that? We just got to lean into his sovereignty and know that he's in control. In 2 Peter 3 verse 8 it says, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and, like a, th- and a thousand years are like one day. Sometimes I really ask God which one we're tracking on. <laughs> the thousand or the one. But he's outside of our time. 
Do you know, so often we think, okay, God, if you heal me by tonight at seven o'clock, I'll follow you for the rest of my life. We try and manipulate God into our time frames. And he's like, you must just look at us and go like, oh, darling, if you only knew. He's so sovereign. He's so sovereign. It fills us with awe and wonder when we realize how sovereign and in control he is. Instead of trying to manipulate the king of the universe to bow his knee to our time frames and our calendars and our diaries. It's just beyond our understanding that he sees and knows everything. In Psalm 75 verse 2, it says, I choose the appointed time. It is I who judge with equity. I choose the appointed time. Do you know that the day that you bowed your knee to Jesus, he knew the time? down to the very second. He's in control of time. That's how sovereign he is. And sometimes the best way to honor God is just to be silent before him. You can read in Ecclesiastes uh, 5 is 1 for 2, but if we just be silent, stop trying to control him, stop trying to convince him. If we just be silent and be awe of who God is, and be like, God, you're in control. I surrender. Secondly, coming to terms with our dependence upon God. In Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. There is only so much I can do in my own strength and wisdom. And many times I get it wrong. With all the strength and wisdom I have in the world, I still get it wrong. And sometimes in my solution finding, I actually create a bigger problem. Have you ever found that? And then God just reminds us how much we need him again. But in this verse, God asks us to trust in him with all of our hearts and to depend not on our own understanding, but in all things we do to know that he's in control and makes our path straight. Sometimes we love God, but we forget to depend on him. Because you can do both or you can choose one or the other. But will you let your love lead you to a place of surrender and dependency on the Father? Because he is the most dependable Father you will ever know. Some of you haven't had dependable fathers. Some of you have been let down time and time again. But he is so dependable, he will never let you down. He'll never disappoint you. In fact, when we get disappointment, it's often connected to our own pain. He's steadfast in all his ways. He shows up. He never leaves us. Waiting on God places us in a position of submission. And some of us in today's age don't like that word, submission. But it's about who we're submitting to. He's worthy of our submission. Thirdly, seeking spiritual strength from the Lord. You can do this by reading his words, spending time with him, and lingering in his presence. In Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not be faint. Jesus told his disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit to come in Acts 1 verse 4. Waiting on God is a time of being empowered and refreshed by him. Just spend time with him. Just wait on him. 
Four, being patient and quiet. My least favorite point. (laughs) Our world is caught up in the disease of fast track, instant fast track. We can't wait patiently for anything, even at the traffic lights. We're like, come on, come on, come on, come on. I mean, it's going to change when it changes. But we're not used to waiting. We, in fact, we don't like it. But we must desire and dwell in a place of waiting on God. I don't have time to talk about it today, but it talks about tarrying and waiting for God, for waiting longer than you expect, for lingering in his presence, for waiting on him to move. The world is ever-changing. It's a fast-paced world, but God remains the constant and he's the same, and he doesn't change. In fact, rest in the Hebrew is translated to mean be silent or quiet, to wait and be still. It's heaven gently telling us to shh and chill out. Just wait. There's a beautiful moment in worship today where we just waited. That's often where you feel the holiness of God. So we just shh and wait. Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 36, verse 10. Number five, refraining from needless worry and fear. In Philippians 4, verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Needless fear and worry. So often, around my kids, around my health, around things that I can't control, I've spent hours worrying and being fearful. None of it changed a thing. It did not solve anything. It did not change anything. It spiritually exhausted me. It physically exhausted me. And it mentally exhausted me. I remember um, just before COVID, uh, the house, we were in like a semi-detached house. And a new neighbor moved in. Well, for the record, it wasn't great. (laughs) He didn't quite like the COVID rules quite liked loud music, and he quite liked not sleeping. And I was so wound up in fear and worry because of my stuff. My sensory system was overloaded. I couldn't sleep. I just felt so anxious all the time. I tried to solve it in a million ways. And God had spoken to me before COVID about um, creating generational wealth for our kids and that, that he would give us multiple properties. That was our retirement plan, and I remember this thing happened with a neighbor, and all I wanted to do was sell the jolly house and get out. And we put it on the market. I think we had, I mean, it was crazy. We had like 30 to 40 viewings. We had two sales. They fell through. And eventually, I was like, oh, my gosh, Jesus. Like, can we just have a Shekinah glory moment and get this thing done? And then God reminded me of the word of actually keeping the house and having another house as a part of our generational um, wealth for our kids and our retirement. And so we were like, okay, maybe this is an option, even though financially it wasn't viable for us at all. And long story short, a year later, we managed to rent out the house and purchase another house in a lovely area, a detached house with our neighbors attached. (laughs) But I looked back and God had given us over 90,000 pounds during COVID to be able to fulfill the promise that he had given us, and the thing with the neighbor was resolved, 
So there was peace there. And we got to bless a family that had just immigrated. And I was like, the amount of hours I wasted here, Jesus. If I just learned to wait, it's going to be okay. I'm going to provide. I'm going to bring resolution. I'm going to restore peace. I'm going to bless you and your family. God did more than I could hope, dream, or expect in the midst of what felt like a nightmare. I just had to lean in and wait. And he did what only he can do, which is the impossible. I was the number five, wasn't I? Number six, continuing to learn and obey God's commands. Carry his word in your heart. By obeying in all things, even the mundane, you are showing God that you are willing to obey him, whatever it takes, whatever he asks. Obeying God is not only a way to worship him, but a way to draw closer to him and prepare you for wherever he leads you. In 1 Samuel 15, verse 22, it says obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. If you're a parent, I think you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Obedience is better than sacrifice. We just need to obey our Father because guess what? He's steering us in the right direction. He's in control. Seven, expecting God to move. There's a little um, saying, I can't even remember where it um, originated, but expect, expectation is God's invitation to move. Expectation is God's invitation to move. We expect him to move. We come together and we expect he's going to do something. You can read about Psalm 130 verse 5. It says, I wait expectantly, trusting God to help for he has promised. Isn't that beautiful? I expect things from my parents. Love, affection. What are you expecting from the Father? Are you expecting judgment? Are you expecting rejection? Ask the Father to heal your heart so you get to expect the goodness of God in your life, expecting to move in beautiful ways. Number eight, keep your priority clear. Priorities clear. The devil uses distraction as a weapon against us. So often the good can distract from the great that God has for us. In Luke 10 verse 38, we see this with Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. It's a beautiful story. Will we choose the better part, which is intimacy with the Father, sitting at his feet, being obedient to him. Number nine is recognize you are in a spiritual battle. This is a whole preach on its own. But Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, For we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. You are in a spiritual battle. Some of the stuff is consequences because of your choices, but some of the stuff the enemy is just trying to rob and steal from you. And one of the ways we can fight in a spiritual battle is by prayer, by worship, by waiting for God. Sometimes medication is good, but sometimes I think we run to the, to the solution too quickly. Sometimes that spiritual battle of the enemy coming after your thoughts, coming after your family, coming after the stuff in your, your home, is the enemy's after you. Just as God is very, very real, so is the enemy. But God has got all authority and power. He will overcome. He has overcome. Number 10, last one, keep thanking God and seeking him. Psalm 28 verse 7 says, For the Lord is my strength and my shield. I trust in him with all my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. 
are burst out in songs of thanksgiving. We see this in the Bible over and over again, especially in the life of David, giving thanks to God, seeking him, waiting upon him. A conversation is a two-way thing. We need to listen as well as speak. Sometimes we do the speaking really well and forget the listening part. It can happen in marriages too. You've got to both communicate and you've got to both listen. We've got to have a conversation with the Father. I'm coming to a land in Isaiah 30 verse 18, 30 verse 18 says, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you, therefore he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is the God of justice. Blessed are all who wait in him. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. Do you know in some translations that word is the Lord is waiting to be gracious to you. The Lord is waiting to be gracious to you, therefore he will show you compassion. For the Lord is the God of justice. Do you know that that verse encapsulates the gospel? God was waiting for you to come because through justice he sent his son. Jesus had to wait to live on this earth through persecution, through hardship, through death and his resurrection. Justice was paid for because God was waiting for us to come to him. Jesus could be waiting for you this morning if you don't know him. He's graciously waiting for you because he wants to be gracious to you. He wants to give you more than you deserve. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you life. So blessed are all who wait for him. It's a beautiful verse to meditate on. And there are certain things that God has not released yet because it is not time. Maybe there's stuff you're waiting for. Hasn't, hasn't been given, it hasn't been released yet. Or maybe some of you, it feels like it's been held up. But if there are certain things that you are frustrated on, that is evidence that it's not time. The God of the universe is able to release and give at appointed times. So for those who need some encouragement this morning, let your frustration take you to a place of waiting. Because... You will get to a place where nothing else adds or defines your relationship with Jesus. Everything else is secondary. The waiting for a partner, the waiting for a bigger house, the waiting for whatever you're waiting for becomes secondary to intimacy with Jesus. And when you get to a point where the waiting becomes nothing, because you've drawn so close to the Father, because you're so close to him that everything else is secondary, it's then that he pours his weight out on you, the weight of his glory, the weight of his blessing, the weight of his spirit. When nothing else matters, my joy is not dependent on this thing happening. My peace is not dependent on this thing happening. It's in, the, it's in alignment with the Father. God, whatever you do, whatever you say, however you appoint this time. And the secondary then comes. doesn't change anything about your relationship with the Father. Get to the place where waiting becomes a secondary thing for you. We are called to be those that wait, who tarry, and who linger. Isaiah, the prophet, he gives a promise for those who linger in God's presence. It says, 
For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by ears, nor has I seen any God beside you who acts for those who wait on him. How beautiful. Let's just stand together. God welcomes those who tarry, who wait, who linger, and those who linger stay in the place longer than necessary. (laughs) You stay in the place longer than necessary. Those that wait, they stay. Those that wait, they remain. Those that wait, they endure. They last. They keep on. They persist. They continue. They are not rushed. They are not hurried. They are not scrambling. The waiting is for you. The waiting is for you to find everything you need in him. The waiting that you've been in, it is for you. Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would come and lift burdens this morning. You would come and lift our frustration this morning. You would come and lift fear off this morning in the name of Jesus. Father God, I just pray where there's disappointment that's crept in. If you want to respond to any of this, just lift your hands at any point. Father, where there's been disappointment that's settled over people, that has been a doorway to unbelief, Father God, I pray right now for disappointment to be lifted off in the name of Jesus. I pray for hope to spring up in Jesus' name. I pray for joy to be released, Father. I just pray for fresh eyes to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Father, I thank you for your goodness that is unchanging and unwavering and immovable. So, Father God, right now, where there's any weariness that is crept in, we just pray right now that you would just bring people into your freedom from weariness. Freedom from weariness in the name of Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit.